This episode of the Daily Observations is sponsored by ZocDoc. Find the top-rated doctor today at Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com slash T-D-O. Greetings from the Theoretical Edge. This is the Mac Observer's Daily Observations Podcast for Wednesday, the 30th of November, 2022. I'm your host, Ken Ray, joined today by renowned podcaster and all-around Mac geek, Dave Hamilton. Booyah, Dave! Booyah! It's great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Second part of today's show, on the care and feeding of a smartphone society. 15 years after the iPhone's introduction, Dave says that that book is still being written. We'll get his take on that. First, though, everybody's favorite topic, security. See, if we were on the radio, I I know people would be reaching for the dial right now, because I know how people feel about security. But we're going to talk about some easier things around security, I think. iOS 16.2 is bringing a feature called Rapid Security Response. You probably heard about it. It's being tested in the 16.2 betas right now. A piece from 9to5Mac says that that will provide a quick security patch, or excuse me, quick security patches to iOS without the need to install an entire new version of the operating system. I hear you won't even have to restart your device, which I think probably is one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people in doing security updates and such. Uh, The piece from 9to5Mac says the first security response update for users running iOS 16.2 and iPadOS 16.2 was released in the middle of November. At the time, Apple confirmed that the update didn't contain any actual security patches. It was just testing the system to uh, deliver such patches. Now, they released a similar update earlier this week, which everybody's assuming was just another test, though I don't think we've officially heard that from Apple. Either way, the report says once the feature becomes available to everybody, Apple will be able to quickly fix security exploits without having to release a new version of the operating system just for the security fix. It'll work pretty much the same way as the small security updates released for macOS, which I don't think I even knew existed. So remind me, this is a thing that people are going to have to turn on, right? It's not going to be automatic, automatic. You have to set it to be automatic. I think it's going to be automatic by default, but you can disable it. Oh, it, okay. If it operates the way macOS does, then yeah. It, because those security updates on macOS just get pushed through. You don't get a notification about them. You don't – they just happen. And and by and large, this is a really good thing. There, there was one incident where Apple's update server got overloaded and it screwed up lots of things. And this was one of them. But otherwise, yeah, no, it's it's just just they just push it and you get it and you don't have to worry your pretty little head about it. You just have a always secure device or, you know, sec- as secure as Apple can make it. See, that's the thing. I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on this, but you've already kind of told me. And now you hit on one of the biggest fears that I have. I remember there was a um, the day that one of the iOS updates came out. I can't remember which one, maybe the one around the time that uh, iPhone six came out or iPhone 6s, there was a number.0.1 update that Apple was like, oh, everybody needs to download this because, you know, people are getting new phones and stuff. Everybody downloaded it and it broke their phones for a bit. Now, I 
since doing the checklist, my secure Mac over the past several years, I am actually much better now about updating my security updates within a day or two. I do like to wait a day or two, though, to make sure that nothing is going to, I don't know, brick my phone or my Mac. Is there any concern that, you know, doing the whole set it and forget it thing will lead us into, uh, will lead us into uh, trouble? Um, I, I mean, I, I think in, in general, it's going to be better to do this than what we currently have. Like, I, I think this is a huge step forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 sure. There's, all, I mean, with anything, we can sit here and dissect it long enough to find some, you know, terrible edge case where it's, yeah. where it's going to be awful. And I mean, it, you know, some of those edge cases affect everyone. There was that time and it was, gosh, it was, was it, was it, it wasn't when Monterey came out. It might've been when Big Sur came out. I think it was that day, uh, was one of those days that Apple's update servers got overloaded and it turns out that in addition to serving updates, those servers were also answering requests to make sure that every time you launched an application, that oh, app was signed. Right. And no one that was connected to the internet could launch applications on their Macs. Or if, if they could, it took 20 minutes or something. It was ridiculous. And nobody could figure it out. It was like, wait a minute. Wait, this is happening to you too? Like all of us geeks were like, oh, I must have screwed something up. Yeah, what's, what's going on here? And then sure enough, no. Okay. So, I, you know, there are those things that can be catastrophic. Uh, but I, but, uh, but I still maintain that it's better with them than not with them because there's so many of these zero day updates that come out. And the faster you get it, the better off you are. So if Apple can just push it out, then we choose to trust Apple or not, right? Mm-hmm. And and if we choose to trust Apple, then I'm all in. I, I, again, knowing full well that there is this catastrophic edge case that might either brick my phone, like you mentioned, or <laughs> make it impossible to launch apps, which is effectively bricking your Mac. Right. Um, yeah. So there was a sponsor that I had on Mac OS Ken a while ago, and I'm going to start talking about them as a sponsor because I want full disclosure. This is not a sponsored mention of this client, but when I had them as a sponsor, it seemed to me that they were doing something that I really wanted Apple to do. Uh, the sponsor was called Collide, and what they did was basically if you were in a work environment, it would start telling you, hey, you need to go and update this thing. Let me tell you why you need to do that, and let me tell you how to do that. And what I loved about it was it kind of automated the security thing, but not really. It made the user aware of what they were doing. It automated the edge. Collide automates the education of the users, yes. or at least the attempted education of the users. I, I love their model too. It just uses Slack so that you're, you know, doing your thing, and here comes a notification. <laughs> right. But you know, like I'm doing, I'm taking this step. Because it's important, and here's why. Right. That's different, though, than what, what Collide mostly focuses on are bad decisions that users can make because they don't know they're bad decisions, like not setting up two-factor authentication for something or you know the classic one, which is using the same password everywhere, right? Those yeah. sorts of things where really having the user's engagement and involvement makes a huge difference. Security updates, those are just a pain in the neck, even for those people who know about them and 
understand the reasons for them. It's like, oh, I got to stop what I'm doing. I got to download this update. I got to do this thing. I know it's important, but it still interrupts my workflow and doesn't educate. I already know that I need these things, right? <laughs> There's no additional education that can be provided. And so for me, from that standpoint, I like Apple's. We're going to do the major security updates just behind the scenes, and it's just going to happen. Yeah, but you're a nerd. I mean, that's the thing. There are well, so but many that's people. That's what I'm saying. Well, they, is well, what. What are you going to, if you're not going to teach a nerd, I mean, what is there to teach even the most basic user? It's like you need security updates. This is well, sort of a binary thing. I guess, except you're telling them why it's important. I mean, that's, and look, I mean, I want Apple to go more towards that kind of thing. And I'm not arguing against RSR. I'll do it. I'll, sure. I'll sign up for sure. it and that'll be great. I, I do want Apple to maybe be a tiny bit more. I think a lot of people come into the Apple ecosystem thinking, well, Apple's more secure, so now I'm more secure. And they're not really thinking about the things that they do have to do. Like that, uh, you know, like you say, using the multiple, uh, using the same password in multiple sites. Now, Safari is great about that. This is a fantastic thing, I think, that Apple is doing with Safari, both on, you know, iOS, iPadOS. And for a bonus, I'll say the Mac as well, since I said, you know, both, and I actually meant three things. I like that kind of, you know, educational thing. For sure. There is there's it, nothing it, educational about a, a quick security update though. Yeah, okay. It's just like that's what I'm saying is like I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I just think this is there there what I mean, again, what is there to say? You you should do these <laughs> security updates. Okay. Well yes. Great. I mean, I think that's honestly it. I mean there's there's part of me that does worry. And look, I'm again, I'm not arguing against it. I just kinda want maybe like a like maybe Apple could notify you, hey, we did this thing because I want to keep security personally in people's minds. There's a story, and I hope they don't mind me telling it. Steve Sheridan lost his backpack in a foreign country one time. They assume it was stolen, that he didn't just leave sure. it. He wasn't terribly worried about it because he had a tile in his bag. So he had security built in. He wasn't terribly worried about it. The problem is that it turns out the battery on the tile had died. He doesn't know when, and so he never saw his backpack again. Set it and forget it is great. I love set it and forget it, except maybe I don't want set it and forget it. I want set it, and you don't have to think about it too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. enough that you go, oh, right, that's a, that's a thing that I should be aware of. Oh, you got that covered? Fantastic. I think I think what I want actually is a little thing going, hey, look at me. I'm keeping you safe over here, as opposed to just, uh, you know, three years later, you're like, didn't I set up security on my phone? Eh. Anyway, Dave has some thoughts on the future of smartphones coming up in just a moment. We're going to move off of this. And my worrying almost for the sake of worrying. The more I talk to you about it, the more I think, let Dave talk about something else. So we'll do that in just a moment. But first, a word from today's sponsor, ZocDoc. When you're planning a vacation, do you just check into whatever hotel? Or do you do review checks, too? When you're making dinner reservations, thinking about going to a movie thinking about buying a car. There is so much stuff, big and small, for which we want to find out what other people think before we commit to it. Then we just go to a doctor, which we don't actually have to do. You can check out what other patients think with ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. With ZocDoc, you can find the right doctor for you in your network and in your neighborhood. They've got specialists for every specialty. Whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an achy back, whatever it is you need taken care of, 
ZocDoc can point you in the right direction. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house, so give it a try. Go to ZocDoc.com TDO and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash T-D-O, ZocDoc dot com slash T-D-O. Dave Hamilton is with us today. He's the co-host of a number of shows, including Mac Geek Gab, Gig Gab, Business Brain, the Entrepreneur Podcast, just just so many shows. So you hit me with an interesting idea for today's show, uh, dealing with where we are with smartphones and our current cultural development. I'm wondering, sir, if you would please set forth your position. Yeah, I you know, smartphones are a relatively new device for us, right? 15 years or so we've been using it. It could be argued that we've had them longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's clear that we have yet to develop a set of societal customs, norms, agreements of how we use these things and how we interact with each other while we have these. I mean, with a smartphone, we can be communicating, you know, almost in parallel and I, I heavy emphasis on almost with lots of people simultaneously. And that can take us out of our meat space, our real world. Mm-hmm. And put us into this virtual world by 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 nature of this little device that we keep in our pockets and, and our watches and all of those things can be super distracting. And sure, we've figured out uh, that we probably shouldn't be engaged with these things while we're driving. Uh, at least most of us have figured that out. And there are even laws about that. Right. So we've got some of these things coming in to play. But. I, I think we're just getting started. I, I don't think we know how to integrate these things productively yet. And I think about other technology that that is ubiquitous in our lives that also took time. And I, I, I'm, I'm drawn to the car, right? It's a relatively recent piece of tech, but it's been around long enough that we've figured out how to make this work. Now, you know, in the first car was released there was no driver's license there was no dmv right there were no like there were roads but because they were being used for non-motorized vehicles right there there were no traffic lights there were no rules of the road none of this stuff right and Mm -hmm. and so i think about okay where are we in the evolution of the smartphone as compared to this history that we know of with the car and I'm I'm drawn to this one point in the evolution of our driving lives, and that is the four-way stop. Hmm. Now, this is a thing, and uh, of course, we can all argue very correctly that uh, most people don't know how to use the four-way stop. But the reality is some people don't know how to use a four-way stop, but most people do. And and this is a an advanced social construct that requires no technology other than a visual indicator that we should all do the thing we know how to do here. There are no instructions other than a stop sign that says this is a four-way stop. You need to come in with knowledge to correctly and successfully negotiate 
something like this, especially in times of traffic. Obviously, if there's no other cars there, that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there are all the rules and we're all thinking of these rules. Those of us that have gone through driver's ed and have driver's licenses and know how to do this. You know, you stop. You wait for the person on your right, which is kind of weird because everybody is to somebody's right if there's people there. But we all know it works. And it's amazing. I don't think we've hit the four-way stop point of smartphone use. We don't just inherently have this institutional knowledge, this societal knowledge of I'm at a restaurant with six other people and we all have our phones. How do we – How do we deal with that? Like, what's the right thing to do? Because right now, the answer is very different for different groups of people. In fact, it might be if I'm with my wife, it might be different than I'm with if I'm with my wife and one of our children or something like there. There might be different societal norms currently. Mm -hmm. And And it's just interesting. We have to remember that we are still very, very early in this process. I think I don't know. I'm just some just some guy with a bunch of podcasts. What's interesting to me, though, I mean, there there are a couple of things that I think about. I mean, first of all, with cars, there is a safety aspect. And it sounds to me like what you're talking about is more like societal faux pas and things like that. But here's the thing. I live very far from a main road. There, I mean, there are small roads and smaller roads, and then you get to my house. But, like, as far as big roads where somebody might really just tear it up, you know? Sure. I'm, I'm like a few blocks away. And at 11 o'clock at night, I will hear somebody squeal their tires and take off because that road is open for probably the first time in the day. And that is a person that is ignoring both the societal norms and the safety norms, in my opinion. I'm thinking about things like, like I went to a restaurant in uh, Montauk, New York, a few years ago. And they have a sign that says no cell phones at the table. Okay. And my mom had just had hip surgery and we were trying to guide somebody into town to where we were, and the phone rang, and my mom answered the phone, and the waitress was on her in about 15 seconds, saying, you can't. And there was no allowance for, there might be a reason, there might be a cause. It was she had to get up and move. Now, they have a phone booth in the restaurant that you do that, where, I mean, you can go there and you can talk on the phone if that's what you want to do, or you can step outside. But there was no allowance for anything there, which is, you know... Which, I, I, you know, is kind of it feels kind of weird at the same time. Is everybody going to have a story for the waitress why they should be the one to be allowed to talk on their phone? Right. How hard does that line have to be? Conversely, every time I go to the grocery store, there is somebody who has decided the speakerphone is the greatest thing that ever happened. And they are walking around yelling into the air, holding their phone about four, you know, five, six, seven inches from their face. And I get to hear both sides of their conversation because, you know. I guess because we haven't had that come to Alexander Graham Bell moment, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I like uh, that's I'm definitely going to I'm going to I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use it and credit you for a little while. And then eventually I'm just going to stop crediting yeah, you. It'll just, just be your thing. No, I understand yeah. entirely. It's like, a, shall I compare thee to a summer's day? That was mine. I mean, I used to say who actually did it. But, you know, these sure. days who can even remember, to be honest with you? I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. What I'm looking forward to, and and I am pinning so much hope on this, I really hope it happens, is, uh, you know, the AR glasses that we might get someday. Because it's unobtrusive at that point. And you can even go post-display if you want to. Remember when everybody thought for like five minutes that we were going to have a post-display society? That we were going to go voice first or voice only or audio first or audio only? That was like five minutes. Yeah, 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 it lasted like 30 seconds to five minutes, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, I the AR glasses are not a post display society, though. They well, are as far as the rest of us are concerned, though, it is right. Like if I'm talking to you, Dave, and you look down at your phone, I know that you're looking down at your phone and, and something has now gotten between us. If I'm talking to you, Dave, and you're wearing glasses, I might be like, that jerk's reading something while we're talking. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know that it's all that different. I mean, it, at best, like, we humans cannot multitask. I know you think you can. You're special. You're wrong. <laughs> you can't, right? It's just we're not built to do that. We are very good when we can, what I call spotlight, right, where we can focus on something and then extract our focus from that and focus on something else. But it is basically one thing at a time that gets our focus which is kind of the definition of the term. And you will know that someone is suddenly more distracted than they normally are, if you know them normally, Mm -hmm. if they've got these glasses on and some information comes into them, right? Yes. Now, I, I think there are great ways of doing that that are the least intrusive and terrible ways of doing that that are the most intrusive you know, app, there are these very uh, supported rumors that Apple next year will be releasing their headset glasses, call it what you want thing. I would assume that Apple's user experience with these would tend towards the better side than the worst side. But that's just based on historical experience with Apple as a company and as a brand. But I, like there's still there's still going to you're either engaging with the person that you are engaging with that's in front of you or you are engaging with the thing on your screen. It doesn't matter if that screen is a device you hold in your hand or if it's mounted permanently to your head or whatever. I, I like Until things can put thoughts in our brain, and maybe there are ways of doing that with a screen that no one else can see. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean actually putting thoughts into our brain, but giving us Subtle visual cues that don't distract us, but inform us. Like, right. for example, a red light to go back to the cars. We know what that means. We can still maintain our focus on driving and situational awareness of what the other cars are doing while being aware that this light in front of us just turned uh, from green to yellow to red. Right. These are subtle cues, but they're important cues. And so. Like those kinds of things. I, again, I think there's a lot to be learned from how we've dealt with integrating cars and driving into our lives. Like you pointed out, people aren't always going to follow the rules. But th- even those people that, that go and screech their tires at midnight, they probably know what the rules are and are taking this opportunity to to in a a less risk filled scenario to have some fun. Yeah, but they're disturbing me. I mean, seriously, if I can hear it three blocks away, I, yeah. I feel like you're going to, which is going to take us to the last question I have for you. And we're coming close to the end. So 30 seconds or less. Do we end up with societal norms where we all have a way that we carry ourselves around smartphones and other such technology? Let's go ahead and throw the glasses into that if you want to. Do we come up with a set of, you know, sort of like, this is how we do it, baby, or... Are we on the other side of it going, some of us are just going to have to suffer fools? I think there's both. I think most of us will. The, the, the idea of this is how we do it means we, all of us, have agreed or most of us have agreed to do mm-hmm. it this way. 
and then there will be the outliers and and they will be less and less initially we'll have the people who resist the change and buck the system and yeah yeah blah blah you're you're special you do your snowflake thing and but over time most people will follow the norms because we realize it's better whatever those norms are but we don't know them yet well, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we introduced here that people might have thoughts, opinions on things that they would like to say, and I certainly would love to hear from them. If you have a question or comment that you want to send our way, uh, send it to observations at macobserver.com. That email address, again, is observations at macobserver.com. You can also hit the show up on Twitter. We are at TMO Daily there. If you want to follow me online, I am at macOSKen on Twitter. You can also visit my website, macOSKen.com. Dave, if people want to keep up with you online or maybe reach out and touch you virtually, what would you suggest? Uh, I'm still on Twitter, at Dave Hamilton. You can find me at macgeekgab.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media, online at backbeatmedia.com. The Daily Observations is a production of the Mac Observer. From the latest news to product reviews, your source for Apple news is macobserver.com. Mac